Garçon, coffee. Welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. And Danny and I may have just waxed poetic about our love for the original Jurassic Park, but now we're here to talk about the newest entry in the Jurassic era franchise. That's Jurassic World Dominion, which we have now both seen, and it just came out this weekend. Danny, what did you think of Jurassic World Dominion? Well, again, it's the Jurassic Age, Kevin. You got it wrong again. Second I week. didn't. I swear it just said Jurassic Era. I Oh, no. Maybe I'm making a fool of myself. If I'm wrong, we're going to cut all this. Anyway. Get the me. epic conclusion of the Jurassic Era. It's right on the poster. Oh, my God. I'm such an embarrassing fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I thought even last week, I'm like, I think I said that right. But oh, no. Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, I am ashamed. (laughs) I am ashamed and should commit seppuku, which is a perfect transition into what the people who made this movie (laughs) should also do. This film was terrible. It was terrible. And I feel nothing about it because, of course, it was terrible. It looked terrible. I remember thinking this is going to be terrible. I just wanted to see Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm and Dr. Grant. And that Pavlovian aspect of the film worked. Every time I saw them, I was like, I remember those guys. That worked. All that nostalgia bait worked. The movie was terrible. I mean, yeah, I just, of course it was. Like, there's just no, there's no, like, hate or anger associated with it. It's just sort of a serene, peaceful, just like Michael on Arrested Development opening the bag that says dead dove do not open and he opens the bag and there's a dead dove and he says I don't know what I expected this is a, this this was a dead dove the poster said come see this dead dove and hey it was a dead dove terrible film i honestly can say completely unnecessary to see like mm-hmm. even from just a perverse morbid curiosity Unlike Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yes, which I recommend to everybody. (laughs) Yes. I don't think this is as bad as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but it's very close. I think this is the second worst entry in the series. Agreed. And I think you're right on the nose in that this movie is just like flatline. Mm -hmm. It's a nothing. It's a zero. Mm -hmm. Whereas Fallen Kingdom, I hate Fallen Kingdom, but... It's so dumb and so baffling that it almost becomes, it does, it becomes kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Though I rewatched it again right before this, and I am so bored by the tedious mansion sequence of them evading the Indoraptor. (laughs) But the stuff before that is at least kind of interesting. Like they have a new idea. We're going to auction these things off and all these evil assholes from all across the world are going to do whatever with these things that it became kind of interesting. This movie had nothing to offer, nothing, which is how I expected it to be. I remember leaving the theater after seeing Fallen Kingdom and thinking, what are they going to do with the third one? Okay, they've set up this idea of dinosaurs are out in America and the world and This one, it was sort of interesting at times, a little bit, that dynamic. And then I felt they abandoned the premise 
about halfway, two thirds of the way into the movie. And they went right back to basically back at a form of a Jurassic park doing the same shit that we've been seeing for five previous entries. They chickened out because I think they knew that people would reject it. This movie's Mm -hmm. making tons of money. I think, I mean, I don't think fans have loved it, but I think fans are being a little kinder to it than critics are. And that might Mm -hmm. be because there's some familiar elements the stuff that worked for well nothing worked for me but the stuff that i liked <laughs> like when they go to madrid and there's malta malta excuse me malta yes they go i was i'm so sequence. glad you said that i really liked that set piece to me that felt like this is the sequel to fall like this is fulfilling the promise of fallen yes. kingdom the promise of fallen kingdom but it's <laughs> you know it's a dinosaur fighting ring so stupid rich people yes. eat dinosaur as a delicacy so stupid i enjoyed that mm-hmm. i did too something i yeah. liked about fallen kingdom was it finally seemed to stop trying to compete with the messaging of the first movie and to a lesser extent but still present extent of the second movie that these are adventure movies but there is something that we're trying to say about interfering and continuously trying to control nature they just dropped all that shit. They were just like, all right, so BD1 makes monsters and villains want to use the monsters for wild hijinks. I like that. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. And I can see why people didn't like Fallen Kingdom. I mean, halfway through it, it covers our beloved island in lava. It kills. They kill that poor Brachiosaurus. They're gonna kill that poor woman. They're gonna kill that poor woman. And it's like, okay, this is over. No more of this stupid dinosaurs on islands shit. We're bringing the dinosaurs to the mainland, to regular places, and you have to deal with it. They did a little short film a couple years ago about a family camping at a, like, state park. And Colin Trevorrow directed it. And it's this, like, little short film of this family getting caught up between an attack between a Triceratops and a T-Rex. And it's like one of the best Jurassic Park things they've made since Spielberg was doing these because you are once again empathizing with, it's just a family on a vacation and they see the, it's like, oh my God, it's one of them. It's like, oh yeah, that must, imagine having to live in that world where, hey, you might encounter a Triceratops and they think it's cute, but then a T-Rex comes and it's so scary because it's like, we're just a regular family and how are we going to survive this encounter with a t-rex and the malta stuff seemed like it was an extension of the goofy russian mafia plot so i was hoping for a movie like that about what happens when t-rex shows up at the drive-thru or you're surfing and there's a mosasaurus but instead once again it's all about owen thunder guns and claire and james cromwell's cloned granddaughter daughter and Blue, the amazing Super Raptor. It's all back about this. Even more so, this movie is more spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion. This movie is more about giant locusts than it is about anything else. (laughs) We're back to all this stupid genetic engineering stuff that they think, they clearly think is very smart and timely in commenting on the power of nature, but it's just so stupid. And BD Wan looked embarrassed in this film. He looked like he was he looked like he finally the dialogue he's had to say in these last two movies where he's been more of a featured character. He looked finally just sort of mortified that it so it's come mm-hmm. to this like this is what I have to deliver. Yeah. Just so it made the twist that 
Maisie is a clone in the last movie, even dumber, if that's possible. That they then, I guess if we're in spoilers, oh my gosh, there's so much I want to say. I'll start with, this reminded me quite a bit, coincidentally, of The Rise of Skywalker. There are a lot of parallels, and I say coincidentally because Colin Trevorrow was originally going to direct episode nine, whatever version he was going to make. And I could not help but think of that movie when watching this, of like, they seem to just retcon so many things from the last movie, or they like weren't fully comfortable with whatever decisions that they made in the last movie. So in the last film, it's revealed that Maisie is this clone of her alleged mother. It's like, nope, actually, that person died. We cloned her. And they're like, no, that, that's ridiculous. No, James er, Cromwell sorry. cloned her. James it's Cromwell like cloned him and, his daughter. Yeah, him and John Hammond were business partners. And the reason we never heard of James Cromwell was because John Hammond was so horrified that James Cromwell had cloned his daughter that they like broke up. And that's why he's like not a factor in the previous movies. Really stupid, but it's like, okay, he went mad. He went full mad scientist in his basement. But... <laughs> But similar to how Ray, it was revealed in The Last Jedi that Ray, you're just a nobody. Your parents were nothing. You are no legacy person. And then Rise of Skywalker said, but she's actually Palpatine's granddaughter. Uh, I am a professional bodyguard and an international counterterrorism expert. I, I, I work around the world for espionage agencies. But Sean... You don't. But I do. But, Sean, we checked, and you don't. But I do. But you don't. But I do. I, I've actually been quoted as an expert uh, in terrorism trends and profiles. This one is like, well, no, it's ridiculous that Maisie's a clone. So we're going to instead go with the maculate conception and genetic modification so that there's no disease handed down... Or something. She was I, pregnant in the mother, but how was she? It was a whole convoluted. I preferred her being a clone. I think she still <laughs> even is a clone, but she's like she is because she looks exactly <clears throat> like the mother. So it's like it yeah. is still a clone, but it's like they couldn't commit to having her just be birthed. So they went with a a natural birth in a womb. She's a virgin in the force, like literally. Again, Colin Trevorrow yes. is just grafting Star Wars onto Jurassic World because he didn't get to make Star Wars. And for a long time, I think even you and I agreed that we might have been interested in seeing Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. I take that yep. back completely. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, J.J. Abrams, because well. The Rise of Skywalker, I don't like that movie very much, but the experience of watching that was nowhere near as just exhausting and I tedious agree. as this movie was. The Rise of Skywalker yeah. is also a similar, so it's come to this, this shit has gotten so old experience. Yeah. However, yep. first time through, it's fun. Like there's, because yeah. JJ Abrams is a very gifted filmmaker. Like he does know. And it looks good. It looks great. And uh, yes, it looks good. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom looks good. And oh, uh, yeah, this does not look good. But did yeah. you see the part where the T-Rex, it looks like the logo. That's the logo of the movie. Yeah. Well, may, may I say earlier, you mentioned Colin Trevorrow directed like the little short film. Am I 
making this up? Did I just completely invent this in my mind? Did the marketing material not include a T-Rex showing up at an, a drive-in theater? It did. And, no, and that's people? why I mentioned that because that, that sounds in, like fun. That was in the marketing. I remember thinking, oh, the opening of this movie is going to be all the stuff that I want. And then they're going to immediately drop that. And it's going to go back to Owen and Claire and Maisie and Blue. Like it's going to immediately turn into that again. But yes, no, you're not crazy. It's a promotional image, the T-Rex silhouetted against the silver screen magic of the drive-thru. Yeah, I would have liked that. I yeah. When we just recorded on Jurassic Park, I mentioned that I really like soft reboots. I do really admittedly like Jurassic World. You mentioned earlier, like this whole genetic mixing dinosaur things up is so dumb, which I agree with. I do think it was used well in Jurassic World. I loved the meta commentary of if we're going to keep making these movies, we need to make bigger better, scarier things. And that worked in the context of the plot where it was guests are now starting to become bored with just seeing dinosaurs at Jurassic World. So we need to spruce things up, insert genetically modified dinosaur. It should have stopped right there. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they included it again in the second movie. And then like you said, they even do it again with this in the third one with the locusts. The other thing we mentioned in the Jurassic Park review, as I said, I love soft reboots and that if you take basically the same plot outline from the original movie, you sprinkle in the legacy characters mixed with new characters, and it comes out to be an enjoyable thing. I said that, and really, there are no returning characters in Jurassic World other than B.D. Wong, mm -hmm. who is Guy, who is scientist man. He has one scene in the first one, but then I guess the returning characters are like the setting, the T-Rex, the music. So it almost felt like there were some semblance of returning characters, but this one actually does it, mm -hmm. which you and I, I know we were at least excited for that tidbit and all three actors look great. Their performances were good, mm -hmm. but how they were incorporated into this movie was so pathetic. Yes. At least Ellie the initial reason she's brought in is like, we have these giant locusts. What the hell is going on? You're an expert in this area. Help us. Mm -hmm. I thought that's a really clever way to bring Ellie in. I like where this is going. But then it turns into like the second act of this movie is almost like a James Bond or Jason Bourne Oceans movie. A very, I guess I'll give it credit for not doing the same thing over and over again until the third act. But mixing dinosaurs with Jason Bourne, that does not gel well. So having Ellie say she goes to Alan Grant, love seeing these two back on screen together, isn't this wonderful? But she basically proposes to Alan Grant, I need to sneak into this mega corporation to find proof that they are creating these locusts. And I need you to come with me because I need a witness and then while we're there, coincidentally, Ian Malcolm has been hired by this company as a consultant. Mm -hmm. And then they're just there and they're not doing things that I want to see these three characters doing. They're changing outfits, hiding around. And why would Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant, the two people who show up at a dinosaur related corporation and everyone goes, oh my God, you're those two people. You're Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant. Why would they be the ones who are trying to sneak in and steal intellectual property or, or prove that this shenanigans is going on? It's so dumb. It is stupid. One thing I will say, that's really stupid. But what I also think is stupid is the fact that Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler are famous. 
I understand that there are some paleontologists that are known, like Jack Horner. Yeah. I understand that given the experiences that they went through, especially post the second one when there's a T-Rex in Santiago. Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it Santiago, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. However, <laughs> that felt more like, okay, they're talking to them like they're fans of the film Jurassic Park. And that's the yes. kind of meta stuff that irritates me. However, I bought into the concept of, okay, they're kind of famous because of all the sort of dinosaur adventures they've had. That's a nice little scene in the third one. He's speaking at a college and yeah. he wants to talk about the research. And the only questions are about... Fine. Does anyone have a question that does not relate to Jurassic Park? Or the incident in San Diego, which I did not witness. I like that. Ellie's in that movie too, happily married, but they got divorced. He was in the State Department, though. That could have maybe come in handy for this plot. But they know that no one likes Jurassic Park 3. Oh, it doesn't exist. So we just forget that that movie exists. Because it's a very forgettable film. It feels almost direct to video. But They didn't skip it, though. They, they had at least acknowledged it. enough about it. His I, name I, is I will Mark. Give a... They say Mark, and yep. that's his name. And she has two kids. She's I'll give a minor kids. amount of credit. When we saw Jurassic World, my understanding was they were doing the thing that you and I hate, where they were just saying the Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 are not part of the continuity. Now, you can argue, it now it doesn't really logistically make sense that Jurassic World ends up happening when the events of 2 and 3 happen. Like You could buy Jurassic Park Happens, and it was like, eh, that was a mix-up. We didn't have enough oversight. Let's fix it, and let's actually do this right. In a world where dinosaurs are <laughs> remade, I can buy that. But having two and three happen, it's like, ooh, but then Jurassic World still happens. So it's a little... Uh, Again, but- it's into that you are breaking the machine that a movie like this works on, which is, I want to care about the characters, but it mm-hmm. gets so... The suspension of disbelief gets harder and harder to sustain. But... Yeah, I mean, I think the whole Ellie in that third movie doesn't participate in the adventure at all. Because why would she? She's a writer now. She's writing books on paleontology. Like, there was no scene of, all right, I'll come with you. Because that's from that more innocent time when a sequel was just a sequel. You didn't have to bring back all... Like, it didn't have to be this big thing. Ellie is introduced just in her backyard in Jurassic Park 3. She lives in a regular house with just normal kids alan grant just dresses like a regular person he doesn't always wear the hat he's got like a ford sedan like it's just very mundane it feels like it's in the same world as jurassic park and the lost world jurassic world i agree i think it works as a concept in this movie the dinosaur is a monster but we're going to get around that by actually making it not a proper dinosaur Mm -hmm. like this is this is not a natural we did not bring back and bd1 actually has some good dialogue in that movie Mm -hmm. where the CEO is chewing him out for creating this monstrous Indominus Rex. And he very correctly points out, what the fuck are you talking about? These aren't natural dinosaurs. We have been playing God and violating the laws of nature since we began. Like, let's get off our high horses here. I never imagined. Who authorized you to do this? You did. Bigger. Scarier. Um, Cooler, I believe, is the word that you used in your memo. You are to cease all activities here immediately. You are acting like we are engaged in some kind of mad science. 
but we are doing what we have done from the beginning. Nothing in Jurassic World is natural. We have always filled gaps in the genome with the DNA of other animals. And if their genetic code was pure, many of them would look quite different. But you didn't ask for reality. You asked for more tea. I never asked for a monster. Monster is a relative term. To a canary, a cat is a monster. We're just used to being the cat. And then in the second one, he's like a mad scientist. And then in this third one, he's a regretful mad scientist. And again, it's just this thing of, who's this guy? I didn't get the sense that he was the main guy in that first movie. I get, no, he's clearly he a, a lab rat, but he, he's, yeah. he's clearly important. Like he, mm-hmm. I just got the sense that like, you know, it's his shift. There's yes. Dr. Wu. And then there's, I know in the book he plays more of a role, but not in the movie. And as we've talked about in some other episodes, the movie is what counts. I ain't never read no star Wars books. <laughs> and <laughs> in the movie Jurassic park, it's a very small appearance it's notable now because when people watched it now it's like hey that's bd1 like he's a guy yeah he's a lot of tv roles yeah exactly so it's nice that they gave him a beefier part in jurassic world i like the detail where all of his stuff is like amber colored because that's his whole again it's just sort of okay i buy it we're gonna make him more important but then to keep bringing him back i mean i couldn't believe that they were bringing owen and claire back in fallen kingdom what purpose does that serve their story's over Typical fashion for these types of movies that are very CGI monster animal based is to just have new characters like the Planet of the Apes trilogy that we just had all had different characters. Mostly the King Kong and Godzilla movies have done a lot of that too. Some have come in and out, but it's like new characters. Exactly. Because the story's over for those two at the end Mm -hmm. of the first one. Clearly this activist in the second... Well, the second one is just so pandering also. Oh my God, it's nauseating. I forgot that Ted Levine calls the doctor a nasty woman. And can we just move on and do the dinosaurs? Yeah, he he does. Perser is a nasty woman. There's a line on like the CNN channel that says the president even questions are dinosaurs real. And it's like, okay. And yet this stupid movie has a character, a New York wheeler and dealer with ridiculous hair, who is so clearly meant to be a Trump-esque character, Toby Jones. And he yes. doesn't get eaten. He doesn't get. So this movie has all these little digs at Trump. But when they get to the Trump guy, <laughs> we don't yep. see him. They don't do anything. Torn to it. pieces. It's like, come on. Yep. Have some balls. Yep. If you're going to do it, do it. I completely forgot about the nasty woman line. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. My, a little, little on the nose right yeah, there. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, my God. But this one, it's like they completely abandoned any semblance of like you said like morality tale whatever the only kind of like theme in this one and that this actually segues nicely into something else i wanted to point out is not being a bystander is sort of a theme in this that is not well executed like mary and i now guest of the show mary we were talking after she saw this with me too twice in one month she went to a movie with me that's unheard of shout out to mary yeah it's been three years and she's gone twice and we were Back and forth over if Ellie actually said something along the lines of when she goes to recruit Alan, does she say something like, you know, we've been sitting on the sidelines too long. We've been letting this shit happen and like we have a bigger voice and we should be doing more. I'm like, I don't think she did say it, but Mary thought it was maybe implied, which I think that I can see. So but it wasn't well executed of this idea of like, okay, the dinosaurs are now literally in the world. Like we need to do something, but it's like, 
too little too late and then the plot is you again running around like you're fucking jason Bourne. yeah in no. some it's so dumb don't do anything stop doing things Yes. It should be the Ian Malcolm. Stop. Uh, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the last movie, they say, oh, my goodness, what do we do? This volcano is going to kill these creatures that we brought into existence. And Ian Malcolm is like, I understand that that's very sad. We did bring them into existence. However, nature, God, whatever, some force is now correcting our egregious <laughs> error. And we invented dinosaurs, brought them back, was a huge mistake, should never have been done. But fortunately, Nature has taken its course, and a volcano is now going to wipe them all out, thus solving this problem forever. And our heroes in that movie are the people trying to save the dinosaurs from getting wiped out. So, again, they're on the wrong side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then when they're there... I I hate those scenes watching the dinosaurs drown and choke. Yeah. On volcanic ash. It makes me sad because these are creatures that were brought into existence sort of unnaturally. However, they don't belong here. <laughs> they're not, they're not, right, they, right. they belong in the museum. They're not supposed to be here. And the <laughs> volcano could have handily taken care of that. And it's so frustrating to, again, they're confusing the world of this movie. The people in this movie who are our heroes talk like they're fans of the Jurassic, the first Jurassic Park film, which just drives me insane. It's something that I just, it really bugs me because it's so lazy because it, they talk about these characters and these things the way we, the audience, thinks about them. But in the reality of the film, of course, like, of course there shouldn't be dinosaurs. And again, there's that line in the first movie that after three days, they're supposed to die if they don't get their lysine food or whatever. Enzyme, yeah, glucose, like, yeah. yeah. What about the lysine contingency? We could put that into effect. What's that? That is absolutely out of the question. The lysine contingency is intended to prevent the spread of the animals in case they ever get off the island. Dr. Wu inserted a gene that creates a single faulty enzyme in protein metabolism. The animals can't manufacture the amino acid lysine. Unless they're completely supplied with lysine by us, they slip into a coma and die. Now, at the end of the movie, I'm not thinking, I wonder what will happen to the dinosaurs. I'm just satisfied at the delicious meal I've just been served, and I don't care. It's over. The story is over. He's now looking at birds differently than he's ever looked at birds before. He's now seen things he'll never forget. He's horrified, traumatized. They all are. Wonderful story. Self-contained story. Second one, sort of similar. It has some flaws, but it does have that nice ending of they now live on this island. They live on Site B, which they acknowledged existed in this movie. They acknowledged that Site B yes, they did. is canon. Now they live on this island and John Hammond has that little recorded interview where he says, we're going to leave them alone now. And that also feels like a pretty solid ending. And then the third one is sort of, okay, but sometimes people will have adventures on this island. It's restricted by the government and occasionally there'll be some mix ups and some shenanigans. <laughs> but it's sort of like, okay, this is it. Like, let's wrap. There's no more story to tell. Jurassic yeah. World thought of a story, but that only makes sense if you ignore the previous two films and should not be continued across two more movies right like speaking of the other movie that mary and i just saw, like top gun maverick i didn't see that and have any illusions to like oh they're gonna keep making these Mm -hmm. and even though i really enjoy jurassic world one of my probably honestly favorite movie going experiences it was like a packed theater where Mm -hmm. everyone had a blast but even when it ended it's like 
there is no sequel to this movie. <laughs> Let it go. Like just, even if you make one kind of like this every 10, 20 years or something, like I would prefer that than resting a franchise, a trilogy on the shoulders of Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's boring ass characters. That was another thing I wanted to bring up too. So speaking of the bystander and the lazy script writing is, so this one doesn't really have like a great reason to bring back the original three. And then when they meet Claire and Owen, it's so like anticlimactic. It's not like this merging of the, it's not like on Star Trek, the next generation when they occasionally had one of the original cast members back or something like that. And it's like, it feels very like, whoa, this is, I'm getting goosebumps here. Well, because or when, Picard is as iconic and beloved a character as Spock is. So when Picard and Spock meet, it's really satisfying because, oh my God, it's Picard and Spock. That's so great. Yeah. And even in like The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. y- you've gotten to know Ray and Finn and they did such a good job introducing those new characters that had a lot of character to them, yes. especially Ray. When Han Solo and Chewbacca come on the Falcon, it does feel like the meshing of two great stories, two great yes. eras, two great Jurassic eras. Yes. <laughs> but I did not feel that with this. And then on top of that, you also have Maisie, who's, we don't know what she is. And then you have another new character named Black Lady, <laughs> who has had nothing to do the entire movie. Poor, nothing yeah. to do. I can't remember her character's name. They set her up to have an interesting sort of connection backstory where she is a pilot. She's a badass pilot. She flies. She's badass mm-hmm. pilot. She flies Maisie to the Biosis, whatever the hell the company is. <laughs> And she looks at Maisie and seems disturbed at, I just helped human traffic a kid. Yes. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like that I'm involved in this. But you're thinking, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie, Danny. I think we've seen a couple movies in our lives. But I'm thinking, oh, she really stared at Maisie because she's going to have some sort of backstory that connects to this. She's mm. going to be... I was abandoned as a kid or I did this before or my sister or something. Something. And when she then runs into Claire, Claire shows a picture of her. Oh yeah, I've seen her. And then it eventually is like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I'll help you because it's the right thing to do. Well, yeah. Like there's just, there's, we're at that, it's like, we're at that part. Of oh the my God. Yeah. yeah. And Terrible there's script. not, I was going to say the fact that the script can't give any sort of motivation other than, yeah, I saw this and it's not good and I should maybe stop it. And that's why I'm saying, I think they had this lame theme that they were trying to incorporate of people can't be bystanders. You have to act and you have to take action and to improve society. I think that's what they were trying to go for. And it was just remarkably under and poorly executed. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Colin Trevorrow doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean, Jurassic World has this too, but it's it's just a much better film. But it has this tonal thing of, wait, 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 are the dinosaurs a miracle or is it a mistake? Or are we supposed to be afraid? Are we supposed to be sc-? like, it's just all these kind mm-hmm. of weird conflicting things that are only nitpicks in the first movie. But in this movie are just, oh, okay, he's very similar to J.J. Abrams. Stuff that is nitpicky in a more successful film with a better script becomes glaring in a pandering movie with a very bad script. The Rise of Skywalker is very similar to The Force Awakens. However, 
Force Awakens is a really good, fun movie that I enjoy, mm-hmm. that everyone enjoyed. People are lying and pretending that they didn't. Yes. But everyone enjoyed that movie because it was really good and a lot of fun and it was a blast and the characters are very charismatic and likable. In The Rise of Skywalker, we've now picked up on the cheat code. You are just waving stuff in front of our face to distract from the fact that you didn't finish the screenplay. And this movie doesn't have the novelty of it. It's finally, it's the fourth Jurassic Park movie. It doesn't have the novelty of the very strong plot of, okay, the park is open and it's functional. Which, again, only works if you ignore that the first two sequels happen. But it's a functional park. Now watch as it all falls apart in this fun adventure. And that's why that movie works. This movie has, I don't know what, it has nothing. These characters, we're on our third movie with Owen and Claire. And they're still just so cardboard and wooden. I like Claire a little more than Owen just because of her arc. (laughs) I hesitate to use that word, but that her Mm -hmm. story is, I didn't care, now I do care. And so I'm sort of making up for my corporate soullessness. It's something. Owen is just... It's something. I was a Navy SEAL, and when I was a Navy SEAL, I was really cool. And then I was a Raptor trainer, and I was really cool. And then I was building a house, and I was so cool. Like, his (laughs) whole thing is just, guys, I'm so cool. And I think that the people who make this movie have miscalculated... They do a thing that a lot of movies with Marvel actors do. Chris Pratt isn't a movie star. Star-Lord is a movie star. Chris Hemsworth yeah. isn't a movie star. Thor. James Gunn. James Gunn is a movie star. Exactly. Chris yeah. Pratt is a good actor. He's not selling. I don't think he is selling this movie. I know that because he's the posters are all the actual movie stars. The, the actual three actors whose personalities and body of work is like much more diverse and interesting. I think that's why the scenes where they reunite are so anticlimactic because, oh, it doesn't really matter if they meet or not because one half of this equation is still so boring. I will say the other scene I liked in this movie is when Claire's being stalked by the, the fruncus or whatever. I like that scene. Like after the yes. crash, like I, it, I enjoyed that as like just a visceral something scary. Yes, something the, scary. The first two thirds, there were no. Not that I like need constant thrills and scares, something. but these are movies that are based on that. Yeah. So to have like nothing for the longest time, any sense of fear or dread, it was just totally absent from this until that third act. That at least there were a couple good moments. Yeah. Like I liked when they were, when Alan and Ellie were in the caves and yes. the thing was the, that dinosaur was all of a sudden there. That was a good scare. There were good moments like that. And they didn't ruin Ian, Ellie and Alan. They just so wasted their use of them. Yep. I didn't go, Oh my God. Now I, now I'm going to look at Alan Grant differently. It's just like, Oh, I wish in the first movie you see them and they're all clearly so great at their jobs they're at the highest points that you can be in their profession. And they all have examples where they can show that Jeff Goldblum. It's mostly through dialogue Mm -hmm. and Ellie. It's mostly through her taking care of the triceratops that's sick. And Alan's just general knowledge of all things survival and, and all of that. So it's like, they all get to do something. And in this one, they don't really use their knowledge like at all, other than there's a bit of Ian gets to kind of monologue when he's trying to distract, Dodgson. Dodgson. Tim Cook. Which we haven't even talked about. Yes, Tim Cook. He's actually the best part of the movie, Danny. Uh, I loved, oh my God. 
what a bizarre so yeah this character is okay this is where i'm definitely getting confused pause here kevin is I now say bleeding from his of, eyes and ears i think my brain <laughs> i think my brain just actually stopped working for a second because i'm like trying to think about okay so on one level that actor who by the way i did not know was george c scott's son so thank you for pointing that out to me that's pretty cool he's andrew garfield's dad and the amazing spider-man and he's been in a couple other things Oh yeah. yeah, he's a good actor. I like. Yeah, him. he is a good actor. And he's so clearly a Tim Cook mm-hmm. stock character, and I loved his choice of just being startled and annoyed all the time. I don't know if that. I feel like that was the actor's choice of just like anytime someone came up to him, he was just like, "Oh my god!" Like like Tim Cook. He, he was, was just, just silly. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he was just yeah yeah. yeah. He was just we just pay all our taxes. Time. I swear, like he's just a goofy. <laughs> i enjoyed yes, that no, I, I, I'm, I am being honest it was something different i'm like this guy is bizarre I, and he's making some choices and it's entertaining i me. don't think i i think i picked up on it but i next time the next time i see this movie i'll have to sort of more enjoy it because i did i remember thinking the whole idea of having a human villain in a jurassic movie is so stupid however yeah. i remember thinking okay he's actually much better than the last human villain we had in Timothy Spall's. Oh, all these kids yeah. of, of better actors of much better actors. Um, yeah. Although this, I liked this guy. I like, yeah. you know, I didn't, I actually, I remember thinking I was going to hate that character and I didn't, I actually didn't mind him, but I did not enjoy his performance as much, but I will pay attention to it. I loved it. We kept laugh the group I was with. It was just, like I said, it's like, oh my God. Like anytime someone just like yeah. came up to him, he was just, so I was entertained by that and he got really pissy and he was like yeah. doing C- angry CEO things a couple of yeah. times. So I enjoyed that. However, his functionality in the script and what the fuck his plan is, makes no sense to me. Also why I think my brain stopped working two minutes ago. Danny gave me the heads up. I'm going to be honest. I probably would not have remembered that that was the guy from Jurassic Park that gives Dennis the Barbasol can. There's no physical it, resemblance at all. Maybe if I heard the name Dodgson, I would have been like, "Why does that sound familiar?" And that because Newman does do Dodgson, Dodgson, everybody, it's Dodgson. So I very much remember that sequence in the first movie. But okay, so he's the villain in this one, which I initially thought, okay. It's a stretch, but they're bringing back this character from the first one. In the first one, he's kind of like a higher level grunt. And he's now the CEO of this rival corporation. Biosyn. That is now Biosyn. Biosyn or Sis? Biosyn. Bio- but it's spelled with Biosyn. a Y, so you don't notice that it's a sin. It's a, a sin. subtle writing. Very subtle. That's Colin Trevorrow. No, that's my but... Crichton writing. Dodge. Oh no, that's the name of the company in, in the, lo- the original book. In the, lo- uh, in the original book and in the Lost World, Dodgson is sort of a villain. Okay, then it's not that much of a stretch to bring him back. Mm-hmm. But my thinking is this company has been the rival company to InGen and Hammond mm-hmm. this whole time, and now that Jurassic World failed in the last you know five six years, and now with this new thing, they've taken the next step and they're now the leader in dino genealogy, whatever. But then to inform everybody that this character is the guy from the first one, they fucking had to put in that Barbasol can, (laughs) which then suggests that eventually he or someone else 
reobtains that, like you said, I think that happens in the Lost World or in the book. I, one, one of the two. I books. cannot remember if it happens in the book, but I do know that Spielberg has spoken that the reason he shows the Barbasol can being covered in mud is not only to show what happens to it. And it's a nice little illustration of, after all that, what was the point of this little caper? But he also wanted to show it not being, remember that, because it might have been the hook for a sequel. Ultimately, that's not where they went with it. But the whole point of lingering on it was to suggest that maybe if we do a second one, it'll be about retrieving that can. And it turns out, oh, Mm -hmm. the dinosaurs actually haven't died. But instead, they went with the whole site. That sounds like a better sequel. Much better. Yeah. But it's with a different thing. But that's why the can is a is a thing. Got it. Now we have established that he eventually obtains the can. So to what end did that improve Biosyn? Like, I, you have thought about this way more than the writers did. It's the can, yeah, I know. The can from the first movie, Kevin. That's, that's, that's its whole purpose. Do you remember that? Remember how it's a Barbasol can? That is, I, that is I it. I really do. That is it. Can I tell you something embarrassing when I was a child? Sure. I knew the company Barbasol, but because... So this is when I was like six or seven. I thought because Dennis puts the shaving cream on the pie that I actually thought that was whipped cream. So until I got to shaving <laughs> age, I thought, isn't that whipped cream? I'm like, oh, it's... Oh my God. It's shaving cream. So for a long time, I was very confused at what Barbasol sold. Okay, I have a similar story regarding the Barbasol can, which is I thought all Barbasol cans, you could take the bottom off. And they had, (laughs) I don't know what, I'm like, the whole point of that is that you can't. But I remember having a Barbasol can and trying to open it. And then I remember thinking, oh, I guess that's only in the movie with dinosaurs. But yeah, I think it's meant to imply that that was the foundation of Biosyn's new empire of (laughs) dinosaur sorcery because in the books it's implied that biosyn is basically on its way out like if it doesn't catch up to ingen it's it's in chapter 11 which is why he comes back in the second book and malcolm comes back in the second book and there's all kinds of characters there it's it's very second book's interesting to read because it's clearly michael Crichton was asked to slap it together to form the basis of a sequel and spielberg just kind of cribbed what was interesting and then took some leftover sequences from the first book and made The Lost World. But Dodgson has always been sort of a part of the story. It's just that in the adapting the first book into a movie, he's just a little quick little character to set up. He's like a bag man for a biotech company who's made gotcha. who's made a deal. And in here he is he's he is Dr. Evil. He wants to Oh my god. He wants to Seriously. use one of my favorite sentences I think I'm ever going to say in this podcast. He wants to use genetically engineered giant locusts to wipe out all of the earth's crops that are not owned or produced by biosyn so that everyone will have to buy biosyn folks that is the plot of the film (laughs) that's the plot which that also became unclear at a certain yes like that's how i understood it i was like okay i get a big corporate scheme but then B.D. Wong's character was, oh, I didn't mean to do that. So it's like, I, I wait a he's minute. Was that it, he was forced. He's now like, he's oh, like Jesse okay. in Breaking Bad. He's like forced to make dinosaurs. Yeah. By Neo-Nazis, yeah. Like, and then he regrets <laughs> and he meets Maisie who reminds him of Charlotte and they work together on Site B and the audience goes, Site B, I remember that from a movie. A mess. It's just, it's a mess. But they had so it's long to make this movie and it's still this. Four years. That's yeah, a long time. It, they did. They, this is unlike the Star Wars sequels that they slapped together every two years. They had four years. Yes. And 
this screenplay felt like the kitchen sink. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a globe trotting James Bond adventure, but with dinosaurs, which is not cool. And then That's wouldn't not it be a cool idea? No, it's That's not cool. Idea. It's not a good mix. It's at least different. At least it's different, but it's not well executed. It's not interesting. Like you said, the movie, it should have been 90 minutes to an hour 45 mm-hmm. of what's society like with dinosaurs mixed in and i wanted way more black market stuff of them eating dinosaur kebabs and having little cage fighting rings and maybe they were trying to break that up and trying to yeah have an actual sanctuary like the fallen kingdom was talking about and like this one was proposing lower the stakes but the stakes for this yes. film were way too big lower the stakes yes. Yeah, the locust thing could have been completely eliminated. Mm-hmm. I think really the only purpose of that was that's how they got Ellie and Alan. Mm-hmm. You could have done something different there too. You could have just, now Ellie and Alan are directly affected by dinosaurs. They can't hide mm-hmm. that Jurassic Park happen anymore because now they're in my backyard. So Alan Grant is doing a dig in Nevada or Wyoming or wherever. And now it's like, oh my God, my dig is being interrupted by an actual dinosaur. And like, a, I don't, there's, that's a great opening sequence. That's a great opening sequence. Yeah. The, the dirt, the sand starts to get rattled off the bones and all the students are like, oh my God, what is, oh, it's a stampede of actual dinosaurs. And they rush to the tent, get the boss, get the boss, get the boss. And the boss is Alan Grant. He's got a beard and he goes, ah, oh, not again. Yeah. He gets a shotgun well, and it's just like this whole thing. You have Ian Malcolm they did a- doing YouTube videos. Where he talks about, I've been right mm-hmm. forever. He's become this like guru of the internet. And then Ellie Sattler is just professional that she is. She's just doing her job. And then the dinosaurs, yeah. we find our way to her neighborhood. And that's how we meet her. Our heroes are being chased across backyards. And they just happen to, it's a stupid movie thing, but they just happen to end up, oh, it's Ellie Sattler's house. And she's like, come on in, guys. I've got hot cocoa. It's okay. Take a seat. My kids are watching Barney. But instead, it's this... We're all so famous and huge and important. And we're going to, we have a mission. We have to go on a quest to undo our runs. And that annoyed me too, because this is not your fuck up. You had nothing to do with this. That unless, unless after your experience, you signed off on the park, (laughs) in which case this like is Jurassic world open because you ultimately all did sign off on the park. Like apart from the end, we did have a lovely weekend and it was really cool what John Hammond did, but this isn't their fault. Like this isn't their no. role to fix. Yeah. So that's why any idea of like redemption, we need to stop sitting on the sidelines. It's like, why you've been telling everybody <laughs> for years to stop doing yeah. this. And now, so yeah, I thought it would have been more interesting if it was just the whole movie it was them in the real world. They're trying to figure out maybe Alan and Ellie are more in the camp of, well, they're alive. We don't want to kill them. Let's try to, capture all of them and put them in some sort of sanctuary but ian's like no let's kill them maybe put what if them- ian went just like rogue yes. and he became like a fucking conservative talk show yes. radio host just going like i've been telling you this for years no. like the deep state preventing <laughs> this from happening like I, we need to kill these dinosaurs i think when they announced that all three were coming back i think i texted you with what i thought they should do with all three characters and it was make ian malcolm has become like a jordan peterson figure A guy who has a very specific field and yet comments on everything and is worshipped by a group, Mm -hmm. has like a cult of fans. Alan Grant, big beard, he's like kind of almost on the other side. He's sort of more on the other side of the spectrum, but he also has this kind of, his brain's been fried and he doesn't trust anyone. He lives off the grid. 
He's sort of like Brad Pitt he's, in the big short. He grows his own vegetables and he doesn't drink the government water and he wears masks everywhere. And Ellie, professional that she is, is just doing her job. <laughs> like, like she's just doing her job yeah. because she's really smart yeah. and good at it. And make those two in opposition to Ian. That's interesting. Like, ooh, Ian. Ian's kind of villainous in this one. We Everyone loves Ian. Jeff Copeland probably would have loved that. He oh, my God. He would have chewed that up. Instead... Yeah. I love the idea of like a little cult of yeah. Ian Malcolm followers. Yeah. That's great. He's like telling folk, he's like crying saying, you need to make your bed and Frozen wasn't good. Like, that'd be great. I'd love that. But instead, yeah. he basically is just, hey, do meme things because everyone loves you, Jeff Goldblum. And we're just going to put all three of you to get like, he works for the evil company in this movie. There's a character already doing what he does in the movie. Like, I don't understand what his role is other than, look, it's Jeff Goldblum. We need... Yeah, we need Jeff Goldblum in the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, do you remember in the first movie when it was kind of fun that Alan and Ian didn't like really like each other? Yeah. So maybe you keep playing off of that and except go bigger with it. See, that would have been fun. I hey, said they went for this. Maybe, okay, you want to have a black woman have a prominent role in this movie. Mm -hmm. Great, that's awesome. There should be more bigger roles for people that aren't just the same, aren't just white people. Maybe yep. Jeff Goldblum's daughter, Kelly, joined the Air Force, and maybe she's a cargo... I understand that she's not an actor, really, anymore. Whatever. Sure, but that character... That character. Why isn't... Like, yeah. have that be Kelly. You can make a and maybe she's at odds with Ian. Yes. Maybe they're having different they opinions did. over how to handle the dinosaur problems, because they didn't get along in the first one. No. I don't even know this woman. Well, what are you talking about? It's Karen. You've known her for ten years. She doesn't even have Sega. She's such a troglodyte. Cruel, but good word use. You're, uh, uh, you're taking your mother's side again. You know, it yeah. could be that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, so we get hodgepodge. Just, like, we're just shitting out ideas. But again, it's yep. this weird thing of, okay, well, people probably don't remember Kelly. Bringing Kelly back doesn't have the same pop. I think most people aren't going to be like, oh, Dodgson, that dastardly Dodgson. They just are like, oh, this is the new villain for the movie. And then if you know mm -hmm. that Dodgson, right. you're like, oh, that's funny. It's, he's the guy from the first movie. Instead of Kelly being an Air Force pilot, this movie... The like big third act centerpiece is the Olympics. <laughs> Kelly's an Olympic gymnast. She made it all the way now, to the Olympics. Remember when that and a Velociraptor saying Alan were the two stupid things in this franchise? Mm -hmm. Oh, those movies got so stupid. In one, this teenager kicks a Velociraptor with a gymnastics routine. And in another, Sam Neill's having a dream and the raptor goes, Alan, these movies got so stupid. It's like, just you wait until... A Jason uh, Voorhees Raptor T-Rex is chasing a little clone girl <laughs> around a mansion. And it's, it's, yeah. just, you have no idea. You have no idea how stupid these movies can get. I still think you're crazy to think that Jurassic Park three is better than Jurassic world. However, I don't think it's after better. I just, I don't think it's better. I just, you do you just like it more? I guess if I had to pick, like if I had to pick, I would right. pick it. Well, it but, Jurassic World is, is much better than Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> well, after I just watched all of them, Jurassic Park 3 holds up a lot better, mm -hmm. especially in comparison to this and Fallen Kingdom. Like you said, it's like a straight-to-DVD movie, yeah. but it's like totally harmless, just a 90-minute adventure movie that happens to have yeah. Alan Grant in it, so that makes it worth watching right there. But And Jurassic World, yeah. I think, is a perfect... I think it's a great ending to the franchise, but that movie made so much fucking money that it was like, we're never waiting this long again. We are going to start just churning these out every yeah. two, three years. 
And like you said, this one's doing well. Fallen Kingdom did well. There was no buzz around either. They both do really well internationally. Mm -hmm. That was probably part of the reason to have this one be a little bit more globetrotty, like show other parts of the world and maybe like reach those audiences, European markets. Well, it's why the script is stupid because you don't have to understand English to follow the movie because it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's just it's just stuff. You can watch it and it's like, yeah. oh, this dialogue's back. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, the dialogue doesn't... None of this matters. It's just a flimsy pretense to hang. But that's the thing. There aren't even cool dinosaur set pieces in this movie. No, the best set piece is it's a bike scene, mm-hmm. a bike chase that looked exactly like the rooftop mm-hmm. chase in the Bourne Ultimatum. Yep. It was shot well. It looked great. Awesome cinematography that, like, occasionally it's like, oh, yeah, there's a, a raptor's a part of this chase. <laughs> Fall- but I did just like watching. Fallen yeah. Kingdom has the little gyrosphere off the cliff into the water. It has the sequence where the baryonyx is silhouetted by the lava. It's got the Jason Voorhees uh, <laughs> raptor T Rex. Like, it's got these things mm-hmm. that are, they're dumb, but they're memorable. The whole opening sequence of that movie where the T Rex is like silhouetted by lightning. The Mosasaurus just appears behind, like these things that yep. I like, I remember. They stuck with me. It's like, oh, those are good, creepy dinosaur images. This had it had nothing. Oh, you won't remember at the end of the movie when the T Rex and some other new dinosaur fought the other apex predator and they teamed up together and killed it in exactly the same way how they killed the Indominus Rex and the T Rex and the Therizinosaurus. The The one that was kind of like a praying mantis. Yeah, the Slenderman. That's what I was thinking of. T-Rex and Slenderman fought Gigantosaurus. And that was big. Like, I can't get away with that again. Like, I cannot believe that Colin Trevorrow was like... It's the same... (laughs) It's the same fight sequence, except there is absolutely no... The first one earned that sequence. Because the Indominus Rex, like you said, wisely, it's like, yeah, this is a monster. This is not even brought back from prehistoric times. This thing is a monster. She has been an asshole this whole movie, just killing and eating everybody, going after harmless herbivore dinosaurs. She's not evil. She She doesn't know what she is. And what she is, is an unstoppable killing machine. So she needs to be like yeah. put down. Like this is too dangerous to be kept alive. And it was really rewarding and fun to watch Blue and the T-Rex team up and take it down. And then it gets yeah. in by the, the, shot by the sea of monsters. The, of the T-Rex stepping out of the preserve that looks like what the T-Rex's like environment was. It's like stepping out of California Redwoods. And it's like, oh, that's cool. It's the yeah. T-Rex from, it's our T-Rex. It's birth or yeah. whatever. Then there's, the T-Rexes from Site B are in, they meet, they reunite with the T-Rex, right? Wasn't that the, I don't think. I think this T, this T-Rex is still the original. It one, is, but isn't there a, yeah. was it a post credit scene or a mid credit scene or a. Oh, there are, you're right. At the, the ending montage, yes, yes, whatever yes, yes, yes. Uh, voiceover, you're right. Yes. There were multiple T-Rexes. Well, Danny, maybe they just got pregnant by themselves or whatever. That was another thing this movie instituted. Oh yeah. Blue got pregnant herself because so, DNA from whatever animal can do it. So no one and no thing can have sex in movies anymore. <laughs> Owen and it's a, it's a lost Owen art. Owen and Claire don't have any sex. They're in love, but they never like touch or hug or kiss. And Blue also, she doesn't have sex either. She's literally a wild animal, but no sex, no sex for anybody. Completely 
This might be the wrong time to introduce this, but when we get off recording, I would like to tell you that I watched A Dangerous Method for the first time oh, yesterday. Of sex. That movie had a lot of sex in it. So, yeah. <laughs> David, I'd love to see anyway, David Cronenberg Jurassic World sequel. That'd be a when, in his prime, he would have been great. I mean, yeah. he still probably could, but even David Cronenberg like 15, 20 years ago making a dinosaur movie, that'd be pretty sweet. And he even has the Jeff Goldblum connection. Mm-hmm. So, with the fly but now we are, I think, done now that we're talking about A Dangerous Method and David Cronenberg. I do not recommend this film. It is, like you said, it's totally forgettable. It's a hodgepodge of different genres, stuff we've already seen, new stuff that does not work well. And I think most unfortunate, just like a waste of bringing back the three awesome characters is my final. Go watch verdict. Top Gun or literally anything else or stay home yeah. and literally do nothing. i don't know if it's worse than watching nothing it's not that it's just so milk toast and stupid if you watch nothing, it's not as stupid as the last if you do nothing and watch nothing your mind might (laughs) think of other things and at the end of that two hours you might have had a more productive time that's a good summary the end of the jurassic era danny jurassic era for now until this makes a billion dollars and in five years they reboot it again Danny is performing. What is it again? Seppuku. Thank you. Danny just performed Seppuku. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. I don't want to sell you death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink.